Chapter Two of the Two Gun Man by Charles Alden Seltzer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. The Stranger Shoots. The stranger seemed taller on the ground than in the saddle, and an admirable breadth of shoulder and slenderness of waist told eloquently of strength. He could not have been over twenty-five or six, yet certain hard lines about his mouth, the glint of mockery in his eyes, the pronounced forward thrust of the chin, the indefinable force that seemed to radiate from him, told the casual observer that here was a man who must be approached with care but apparently the shooter saw no such signs in the first glance that had been exchanged between the two men there had been a lack of ordinary cordiality and now as the rider slid down from his pony and advanced toward the centre of the street the shooter's lips curled writhing through them came slow-spoken words you runnin sheep stranger the rider's lips smiled but his eyes were steady and cold in them shone a flash of cold humor. He stood, quietly contemplating his insulter. Smiles appeared on the faces of several of the onlookers. The tall man with the grave face watched with a critical eye. The insult had been deliberate, and many men crouched, plainly expecting a serious outcome. But the stranger made no move toward his guns, and when he answered, he might have been talking about the weather, so casual was his tone. I reckon you think you're a plumb man, he said quietly. But if you are, you ain't showed it much, buttin' in with that there wise observation. And there's some men who think that shootin' at a man is more excitin' than shootin' at a can. There was a grim quality in his voice now. He leaned forward slightly, his eyes cold and alert. The shooter sneered experimentally. Again the audience smiled. But the tall man now stepped forward. "'You made your play, stranger,' he said quietly. "'I reckon it's up to you to make good.' "'Correct,' agreed the stranger. "'I'm going to show you some real shooting.' "'You got another can?' Someone dived into the silver dollar and returned in a flash with another tomato can. This the stranger took, removing the label as the shooter had done. Then, smiling, he took a position in the center of the street, the can in his right hand. He did not draw his weapon as the shooter had done, but stood loosely in his place, his right hand still grasping the can, the left swinging idly by his side. Apparently he did not mean to shoot. Sneers reached the faces of several men in the crowd. The shooter growled, Four flush. There was a flash as the can rose twenty feet in the air, propelled by the right hand of the stranger. As the can reached the apex of its climb, the stranger's right hand descended and grasped the butt of the weapon at his right hip. There was a flash as the gun came out, a gasp of astonishment from the watchers. The can was arrested in the first foot of its descent by the shock of the first bullet striking it. It jumped up and out and again began its interrupted fall only to stop dead still in the air as another bullet struck it. There was an infinitesimal pause, and then twice more the can shivered and jumped. No man in the crowd but could tell that the bullets were striking true. The can was still ten feet in the air, and well out from the stranger. The latter whipped his weapon to a level, the bullet striking the can and driving it twenty feet from him. 
Then it dropped. But when it was within five feet of the ground, the stranger's gun spoke again. The can leaped, careening sideways, and fell, shattered, to the street, thirty feet distant from the stranger. Several men sprang forward to examine it. Six times, ejaculated the tall man in an awed tone. And he didn't pull his gun till he throwed the can. He approached the stranger, drawing him confidentially aside. The crowd slowly dispersed, loudly proclaiming the stranger's ability with the six-shooter. The latter took his honors lightly, the mocking smile again on his face. "'I'm looking for a man who can shoot,' said the tall man, when the last man in the crowd had disappeared into the saloon. The stranger smiled. "'I reckon you've just seen some shooting,' he returned. The tall man smiled mirthlessly. "'You particular about what you shoot at?' he inquired. The stranger's lips straightened coldly. "'I used to have that habit.' he returned evenly. "'Hard luck?' queried the tall man. "'I'm rolling in wealth,' stated the stranger, with an ironic sneer. The tall man's eyes glittered. "'Where are you from?' he questioned. "'You can have three guesses,' returned the stranger, his eyes narrowing with the mockery that the tall man had seen in them before. The tall man adopted a placative tone. "'I ain't wantin' to butt into your business,' he said. I was wanting to find out if anyone around here knowed you. This town didn't send any reception committee to meet me, did they? smiled the stranger. Correct, said the tall man. He leaned closer. You willing to work your guns for me for a hundred a month? The stranger looked steadily into the tall man's eyes. You've been right handy asking questions, he said. Maybe you'll answer some. What's your name? Stafford returned the tall man. I'm managing the two-diamond over on the ute. The stranger's eyelashes flickered slightly. His eyes narrowed quizzically. What you want of a gunman? he asked. Rustler, returned the other shortly. The stranger smiled. Figure on shooting him? he questioned. Stafford hesitated. Well, no, he returned. That is... Not until I'm sure I got the right one. He seized the stranger's arm in a confidential grip. You see, he explained, I don't know just where I'm at. There's been a rustler working on the herd, and I ain't been able to get close enough to find out who it is. But rustling has got to be stopped. I've sent over to Raton to get a man named Ned Ferguson, who's been working for Sid Tucker of the Lazy J. Tucker wrote me quite a while back, telling me that this man was plumb slick at nosing out rustlers. He was to come to the Two Diamond two weeks ago, but he ain't showed up, and I'm about concluded that he ain't coming. And so I come over to Dry Bottom to find a man. You found one, smiled the stranger. Stafford drew out a handful of double eagles and pressed them into the other's hand. I'm going over to the Two Diamond now, he said. You better wait a day or two, so's no one will get wise. Come right to me like you was wanting a job. He started toward the hitching rail for his pony, hesitated, and then walked back. I didn't get your name, he smiled. The stranger's eyes glittered humorously. It's Ferguson, he said quietly. Stafford's eyes widened with astonishment. Then his right hand went out and grasped the others. Well, now he said warmly. 
That's what I call luck. Ferguson smiled. Maybe it is luck, he returned. But before I go over to work for you, there's got to be an understanding. I can shoot some, he continued, looking steadily at Stafford. But I ain't running around a country shooting men without cause. I'm willing to try and find your rustler for you, but I ain't shooting him unless he goes to crowding me mighty close. I'm agreeing to that, returned Stafford. He turned again, looking back over his shoulder. You'll sure be over? he questioned. I'll be there a day after tomorrow, stated Ferguson. He turned and went into the silver dollar. Stafford mounted his pony and loped rapidly out of town. End of chapter 2